0: Uh, I think as people, we are hardwired for justice. We do want to see good over evil, right? And if you think about it, really, screenwriters do not have that difficult of a job. If we go to a movie where it clearly shows us that there is a bad guy and that bad guy is defeated by the good guy, then we're pretty happy, right? This is what we need in life to kind of keep us going. Uh, I was thinking this week about sort of classic examples of justice being served and kind of somebody that you're taught to not like and then you like it when they get theirs. And I started thinking about Back to the Future. Um, If you guys, I assume most of us have seen Back to the Future, right? Back to the Future movies feature Biff Tannen, one of the all-time most easy-to-hate villains. He is rude. He's obnoxious. He's entitled. He mistreats women. uh, He mistreats people who are racially different than him. He uh, just goes around beating people up, being a jerk, being a brute. And in the Back to the Future movies, there is this recurring bit where Biff always ends up getting a pile of poo on top of himself, right? It is the most basic thing in the world one time it's a manure truck one time it's in the old west but there's always a way that Biff ends up getting the poo and we like that when that happens because we think there should be some kind of justice that a Biff Tannen of the world gets his poo experience right maybe it makes us feel good that there's some kind of justice in this world for bullies that people cannot just meet mistreat other people and get away with it and thinking about these idea of bullies i mean i did some research this week right bullying is this big thing in our culture we're talking more about the dangers of it and what it does to our society um there are uh, uh we're now uh, we're, we're getting scientific about bullying so there are three main factors to bullying according to the united states government anyways uh it's where one person mistreats another person There is a differential of power where it's a powerful person mistreating a less powerful person, and that that mistreatment happens over and over and over again. And that maybe is something you have experienced in your life. I feel like many of us have felt that at some time or the other. And bullying just can kind of get you down. It can get you in a bad place. And we want to see those bullies get theirs. We want somebody to stand up to them. And so uh, we want to take a moment to, so, you know, we know that that's what that's like. We know what that is like. And we also know that we're studying these the minor prophets, right? We're doing this series on these books you've never heard a sermon about. And so we're coming today to Nahum, and you're probably asking, why are we talking about bullies and Nahum, right? Well, Nahum is a book that is all about bullies. Uh, it is about the Assyrians. The Assyrians are the ancient bullies of the the ancient bullies of the ancient world. That's redundant. They're the bullies of the ancient world. They have mistreated Israel consistently and continually. And um, I actually have, to make this a little more real, I have um, a little video clip from some corny documentary that shows you a little bit what Assyrians are like, so that we can understand just how much There would have been that innate desire for justice in the Israelites to see what this suffering would look like. And so we're going to play this video and I'll show you a few images of what the Assyrians were like. And we'll get into this conversation of how God deals with bullies.
1: At daybreak, the first Assyrians come into view. Like a storm gathering, thousands of horses and men assemble. The signal for a
0: So, obviously, these are not very nice guys, right? This is pretty terrible. Um, this is an image from something called the Lachish Reliefs. Uh, Lahish was a town in Judah. The Bible tells us about the Assyrians actually taking this town. And um, this is – so this is um, – I'm not sure if they actually, like, use, like, crayons over it. Like, you know how you can take something textured and put paper over it and then rub a crayon? Or if it's just an artist's reproduction – but this is what the whole, like, a big part of it looks like. You can see that these people were a little obsessed with their um, with their different kinds of soldiers. You see all these different soldiers in different uniforms, different outfits, different weaponry. This is supposed to be them sort of coming up to the city for siege. You see a bow and arrow guy, or um, excuse me, slingshot um, people there. This was part of ancient militaries. You'd shoot with a slingshot. Uh, you've got bows and arrows. Uh, these are actually flaming arrows. Uh, there's other parts where they show, uh, yeah, here this is um, like a, uh, a, um, a siege engine. It's like a big machinery piece that would like slam into a wall. And you can see that they have uh, water here so that they can put out the flaming arrows that are coming down. It's kind of a crazy battle scene if you actually know how to kind of read it. But if you look at um, the brutality, this is, uh, this is actually a picture of the relief. This is a family fleeing Judah. This is a family who's been taken into captivity. And so we have, um, they have these bags over them. This is mom and dad, and these are the two kids. And they're going off into slavery, into the land of Assyria. Um, here, this is a little more graphic. Um, these guys are being laid out, and they're being skinned alive by their Assyrian captors. Um, This one real lovely. Um, These guys have been impaled on sticks as sort of a way to show the Assyrian victory. And these reliefs are taken from the palace of the king of Assyria. If you visited for a diplomatic visit, that is the wallpaper on the Assyrian king's welcome chamber. Welcome to Assyria. We skin people alive, right? And this is the way the ancient Assyria went. They were the first uh, country with a professional army, and they were just known for their barbarism, right? And we say it all not to just be disgusting and gross, but to say this is the kinds of people that God's people are being um, destroyed by. And you can understand that they had had a natural desire to see those bullies get theirs. And so Nahum is a book about how that is coming. Uh, Nahum chapter one, verse one, a prophecy concerning Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkashite. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm, and clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and dries it up. He makes all the rivers run dry. Bashan and Carmel wither, and the blossoms of Lebanon fade. The mountains quake before him, and the hills melt away. The earth trembles at his presence the world and all who live in it who can withstand his indignation who can endure his fierce anger his wrath is poured out like fire the rocks are shattered before him the lord is good a refuge in time of trouble he cares for those who trust him but with an overwhelming flood he will make an end of nineveh he will pursue his foes into the realm of darkness um this is very early on just Uh, Nahum talking about how God is a God who cares and is going to do something. Uh, Nahum begins with this section, and there's lots of judgment and wrath, but there's that judgment and wrath because Nahum wants the people hearing him to understand God notices how you are being bullied and mistreated. He is noticing your suffering. Second of all, he is on your side, that when he sees these atrocities, he is just as offended and bothered as you are at the way you're being mistreated. And then to use kind of a veggie tale lesson, he is bigger than the bad guys, right? Do not fear. He is stronger and more powerful than these Assyrians. And while they think that they are the champions of the earth because they kind of run the empire of the world at this point, do not be mistaken. God is larger than they are. And so these messages just kind of bring this hope to these people dealing with these uh, bullies. He says, do not worry. God sees it. He cares about it. And he has enough power to do something about it. He has the authority to step in. And then Nahum goes on to explain over about three chapters all the ways God is going to punish um, these people. How there's a judgment day coming and that there is going to be a way for God to make this right. Woe to the city of blood, meaning Nineveh, the Assyrians, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. The crack of whips, the clatter of wheels, galloping horses and jolting chariots, charging cavalry, flashing swords, glittering spears, many casualties, piles of dead, bodies without number, people stumbling over the corpses, all because of the wanton lust of a prostitute. Alluring the mistress of sorceries who enslaved nations by her prostitution and peoples by her witchcraft. It's interesting the Bible describes the Assyrians the same way the Assyrians described them, right? We heard that little bit in the video about I took their bodies and streamed them across the fields. And here is a very similar imagery um, from Nahum. Sorry, I am against you, declares the Lord Almighty. I will lift your skirts over your face. I will show the nations your nakedness and the kingdoms your shame. I will pelt you with filth. I will treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. All who see you will flee from you and say, Nineveh is in ruins. Who will mourn for her? Where can I find anyone to comfort you? Um, Particularly this last line, this is the shame that God says is going to come on Assyria for what they've done. Right? There is going to be justice. It is important when these things happen, when there are nations that go over bounds, that there is some kind of um, justice or some kind of kickback. Uh, this is an image from the Nuremberg trials. Right, We had to have this process at the end of World War II where we took uh, those in Germany who had committed heinous crimes and there was some kind of accounting for what they had done and how they had hurt so many people. And I just want us to see that this is a good, okay thing, right? This desire for justice, that when people do heinous things, that God cares about it. When people mistreat others, that God cares about it. And it is okay to even take, I don't know if joy is the right word, but it is okay to want to see them uh, exposed for who they are, all right? It is okay to want to see... Biff in the poo, so to speak, right? To see the bully get what's coming to them. And so there's that, um, that concept here in the passage. And it all ends, um, Nahum just rubs it in. This is the last verse of the book. Nothing can heal you, Assyria. Your wound is fatal. All who hear the news about you clap their hands at your fall. For who has not felt your what you deserve? And the whole world is going to clap at it. Because we want justice. We're built for justice. We're wired for justice. We are all excited to see you finally exposed for the evil, disgusting, terrible place that you are. All right. Uh, it would be very easy to end a lesson there. But we need to talk a little bit about another book. Uh, if you're in our Bible studies, even our feast groups, um, we've been talking about the book of Jonah. And we have to talk about Jonah at the same time that we talk uh, about Nahum. Um, Nahum is a book about justice. Nahum is a book about how the Ninevites and the Assyrians deserve um, some kind of downfall. They deserve to get shown out for who they are, and that there is a value and a beauty to justice. But then we get to Jonah, and Jonah is this story of a prophet who goes to Nineveh to preach repentance. And he does it, and he does it rather successfully. We know the story from him getting swallowed by the fish. He doesn't want to go to uh, Assyria. He runs away, gets swallowed by a fish, gets spit back up on land, and then he finally goes to them. And the way we tell our kids it usually is at the end, he preaches, Repent, and the Ninevites go, Yes, we repent. And the story is over, and everyone's happy. But if you're in our Bible studies this week, you know that then we talked about how Jonah says, I'm not happy. I'm angry. These people deserve to get zapped like you you said that you would do. They deserve to burn. And we can't disconnect these things, right? Those terrible images of the, you know, wallpapers of destruction and violence that they had, that's why Jonah wants those people to suffer. And it's why he wants them to die. But we see this incredible balance then in Scripture where the desire for justice that's in Nahum has grown into and even sort of metastasized into this desire to see someone else suffer, this desire, this hatred to see somebody not know God and be far from him. And the two books have to be put in conversation with each other. The justice of Nahum and the hatred of Jonah have to be kind of put on a string and we have to live in that tension because it's the reality that we have to deal with that um often we have to find a way to deal with someone else's evil without letting it turn into hatred in our own hearts all right i was talking to nate and emily this week um i try not to do too many superhero examples in sermons because i could do it all the time and you would all be very bored with me Um, But there's a line um, from Captain America that I wanted to use as we kind of close up some of our thoughts here. Um, If you don't know the story of Captain America, I'll explain it quickly. It's pretty simple. Uh, It takes place in World War II. The Germans uh, and the Americans are obviously at war. And there is a Jewish-German scientist named Abraham Erskine. That's him on the screen who decides he, uh, he has escaped from Nazi Germany, and he wants to help the Americans win the war. Uh, if that sounds like a very thinly-veiled uh, way to talk about the Manhattan Project and Albert Einstein, you're right, it's a very thinly-veiled way to talk about that. Uh, and he's the scientist, and he is going to develop a super soldier who is going to defeat the Nazis. And so they're working on this formula that's going to make somebody super strong, super capable, all that kind of stuff. And so they work on it, and um, they're trying to find the perfect candidate to go through it. And they get all these guys that come through who are big, buff, strong American dudes, and everyone, he says, no, no, no. Because Dr. Erskine knows that they all are too eager for this power. And then he meets Steve Rogers. Uh, Steve is a scrawny, useless, asthmatic, um, I think uh, his shallow arches, like everything, right? He is in, in World War II at a time where anybody they would send to war, they have rejected him over and over and over again to even be a soldier because he is physically incapable. But Dr. Erskine sees something in Steve and he starts to talk to him and try to pick him for his project. And there's a scene that's always really powerful to me where Erskine looks at him and he says, Steve, do you want to go kill some Nazis? And Steve goes, is this a test? And Dr. Erskine says, yes, it is a test. And Steve says, I don't want to kill anyone. I don't like bullies. and I don't care where they're from. See, there was a bloodthirst in most of the people that Erskine dealt with. He had all of these men that just want to go kill some Nazis. And Steve Rogers goes, I don't want to kill anybody, but I believe that there should be justice in the world. And it's this incredible, difficult balance for us. How do you stand up and desire justice without hating the people that you are demanding it for? right? Because this is just so easy for us to just really, you know, get angry and upset and want to hurt other people. But the reality is, it's just not the way of God, right? It's not the character of who God is. The reality of our world is we live with lots of bullies, okay? We live with, um, whether it's sexual predators or whether it's people trying to collect your credit card debt, or it's actual Nazis that are making a comeback. Or uh, maybe it's just somebody at work that's really terrible to you. We live in a world full of bullies. And the, des- the, the, the risk of becoming one in order to deal with them is really great. Great. This is actually in a lot of that bullying research I went through this week that one of the worst things that happens to the victims of bullies is that they become bullies themselves because they just want to feel some kind of power. This is the story of Jonah, the prophet who has suffered so much that he becomes a one who desires suffering for others. And in the midst of that, we serve a Lord that says, you know what, being bullied, being mistreated, being harassed, blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are those who hunger and thirst and when we take those moments and be- make it a license or an excuse to then want to be that same thing to other people we've sort of lost the plot and so the question of how do we deal with bullies how do we deal with people in this world that want to hurt other people and mistreat other people one of the important things that we learn by reading Nahum and reading Jonah and putting them together is that it is great to desire justice, but never at the point where that becomes sort of a bloodthirst. And that's just a very difficult thing for us to always balance. Um, I think we'll continue to be challenged to be like God. Notice that both Nahum and jo- uh, Jonah both allude to this passage in Scripture, that God is slow to anger and abounding in love, but does not let the guilty go unpunished. That challenge for us to be people who are slow to anger, and, uh, but also will, not willing to let um, injustice go, that is very hard to do. And it's my hope that Nahum can encourage us to do that in a good way, in a healthy way.